Welcome to episode 57 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. Leaders are great repeaters. That is something my guest this episode, Jesse Cole, truly embodies. Jesse is the owner of the Savannah Bananas, where along with his team, they are creating the greatest show in sports. In this episode, we talk about being fans first, the importance of backing up your words with action, and how mindset and stories can help you achieve your vision. I hope you enjoy. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm fired up to be with you. Absolutely. And I, I do appreciate you taking some time out of what I am sure is an absolutely bananas schedule. Had to do it. Sorry, couldn't resist. The more puns, the better. Bring them. I'm ready for them. All right. So you, before we jump too far into this, why don't you maybe tell the listeners just a little bit about you, your journey, and the really exciting stuff that you're doing today? <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm the guy, the crazy guy in the yellow tuxedo, but I, I'm fortunate to own the Savannah Bananas. And uh, my wife and I, we have been on a wild journey from, you know, taking over a team in Savannah, selling only a handful of tickets to having to sell our house, empty out our savings account, sleeping on an airbed, down to our last dollar to now, uh, you know, creating what ESPN is called the greatest show in sports and bringing that all over the world and having a ton of fun doing it. And we're foster parents. And so we have a family that travels with us all around the country, watching sold out crowds. And it has been a, a wild, wild journey. But more than anything, you know, I just I just enjoy doing doing something that brings joy, that brings fun, that I get to wake up every single day, you know, coming up with ideas and creating things that have never happened before on a baseball field or happen with social media. And that's what we get to do every day. That is fantastic. It truly is an amazing show that that you're doing. And just as I think about it, you know, from somebody on the outside looking in, they could probably look at what you're doing in a com- couple of different ways. Either one, you are going in and just disrupting a, an, an almost 200-year-old industry, or they could say, you know, he's just creating his whole new space, a whole new industry with Banana Ball. But either way that you look at it, in order to pull that off, you have to have a tremendous amount of effective communication going on inside and outside of that organization. So you, from, from your perspective, if you think about this idea of effective communication or being a strong communicator, you know, to you, what does that entail for somebody that has really strong communication skills? Well, for us, it's been very simple. We've been very clear on our vision and who we are and what we stand for. And if you want to be a leader, you got to be very clear on what you're all about and be able to repeat. You know, I believe great leaders are great repeaters. And there's two words that our organization says over and over and over again, and it's fans first. It's the name of our company, Fans First Entertainment. It's our mission, Fans First, Entertain Always. Every decision we make, we make, we ask, is it fans first? Before every single game, whether we're all over the country, before a major league stadium, wherever we're going, we will talk about what are the fans first stories that we created this past weekend and what are the fans first moments we're going to create tonight. And then literally at the end of the game with the fans, after an hour after the game, we bring all our fans together, we break it down and we say fans first. And so when you are that clear, whatever it is, whatever you believe in, whatever you stand for, then you have everyone going in the same direction and unified by a belief that has been very clear for us and has really helped us uh, you know, be able to accomplish what we have in a short period of time. I love what you said there. Leaders are great repeaters, right? You, you walk in on the mission and the vision, fans first, you talk about it, you say it a lot, you show it in your actions. That's for me, as I've been following the bananas, the thing that I see a lot is you're not just saying that it's fan first. All the things that you guys have been doing 
ultimately play into that, right? You're really focused on the experience, providing a good show, providing great value. And, and I even know some of the things that you're working on that I've seen around ticketing to make sure that that's a great fan experience. So I guess as you're starting off, right, you're, you come in, you're taking over the bananas, you know, you want to really be fan focused. Like how do you kind of start communicating that mission and I guess get the buy-in to it? Well, we had zero buy-in in the beginning. I mean, let's be honest, we sold two tickets in our first few months. And by January 15th of 2016, we overdrafted our account. And we were out of money. So, you know, we, we were talking, but people had to see it. You know, I think everyone's, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're a great marketer. You guys are marketer. No, all we do is we don't just talk about what we're going to do. We show what we do. And so people had to experience our game. And so, you know, a great communicator, a great leader, it's not just being able to talk about it, it's being able to show it. And then that backs it up. And so, you know, for us in the beginning, it was, all right, let's put ourselves in our fan shoes. And I think so many people, they talk about, oh, we're customer centric, we're customer focused, yet they do things that they don't even like. Like for instance, ticket fees, convenient fees, service fees, you know, nickel and diming, whatever it is, uh, adding all this term on, on like language on contracts that just is not fan focused or customer focused. And so we said, all right, what is one of the things that frustrates us so much about going to a sporting event? I said, it's getting nickel and dimed. It's you come in, you pay your ticket, then there's ticket fees, then there's convenient fees, then there's service fees, then there's taxes you pay. And then you come in, you buy your $7 burger, your $6 drink, and all of a sudden at the end of the night, it's ridiculous. So mm -hmm. when we first came in, before we even noticed, we said, hey, guys, you haven't experienced us, but we're going to be fan focused. This is what we're about. Every ticket includes all your burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert, all night long. And there's no ticket fees, no convenience. It's $15 total. Wow. Nothing hit. And so we had to say something bold and make a statement so that people would say, you know what? That's pretty crazy. Let me at least try that. And, and then they want to say, no, it can't be. Is it for the first hour, for the first two hours? And no, we we're like, it's the entire night. And now, do we know how to do it? See, that's the thing people don't realize. <laughs> we had no clue how to do it. There was no one doing it. And the first night, we didn't realize people would go through 10,000 pieces of meat in an hour. All right. The lines were over two and a half hours. It was actually not fans first at all. Yeah. But most people would have given up and said, you know what, we can't do it. And we said, no, we got to make adjustments. If you have a perfect vision of what that looks like in the end, and I had a vision of everyone in our stadium being able to get food within five minutes at any place, at any time, a kid, hey, can I get a soda, mom? I just go, you're, you're all set. Can I get a hot dog? You're all set. Don't, don't pulling money out of your pocket, none of that. And so you have this vision and you write it down. This is what I envision our experience to be like and then just commit to it. And if you're not there at first, what can you do to get one step further each day? And so that's it. We, we said in the beginning, this is what we're going to try to do to get people to understand that we aren't like everyone else. We are different. We are fans first. And then we're going to figure it out as we go. I think really to be your fans first, customer centric, whatever you may call it in your particular industry, you need to build trust. And what I've seen is one of the best ways that you've built trust is you're creating alignment between what you say and what you do ultimately, right? In order to have trust, it's easy to say something. It's easy to say we're customer centric, but then are you backing it up with all these other things from ticketing, contracting, the vendor experience, whatever it is. So that's just fantastic to see. And a big part of that is just coming from innovation and ideation. And I, I saw a post recently that you put out on LinkedIn, I believe, and I'm sure it was across multiple other channels around your idea sessions and, I, and the name is escaping me at the moment when you have these big idea sessions, but rather than just going into a room and say, okay, let's come up with 20 ideas or whatever, it's challenging. But can you talk to me a little bit about that approach that you take in those idea sessions? 
course. And yeah, it started as idea Palooza. So we'd have the whole team. And now as we're, you know, hiring multiple full-time people every week, we're, we're, they're, they're more focused called OTT sessions, over the top ideas. And that there can really OTTs that can really move the needle. And yeah, I think it's something that most leaders and they, they don't put enough emphasis and focus on, you know, they say, oh, it's just brainstorming. No, no, no we don't call it brainstorming because it is a very focused a uh, planned out strategic idea session with a specific goal to accomplish at the end of it. And what we've realized with everything is quantity leads to quality. You know, uh, you know, everyone's like, you know, how'd you build your following? And it is shocking to me that, you know, we have almost 15 million followers and, you know, millions more than major league teams on social media. It doesn't make sense. Even our second team, the party animals have more followers than every major league baseball team. So how, how did you, how did you get there? Well, I, I told the team post every day and let's learn every day. The, the more we do, the faster we learn. And so the reality is we want to build lots of ideas and then just start testing, testing, testing. Most people don't have the, the uh, thick skin and the ability mm -hmm. to challenge, do things that aren't going to work. And every night we do 10 to 15 things in front of our live crowd, promotions, crazy things, scoring celebrations, hitter walk-ups, balls on fire, you name it, we try it. And nine to 12 of them don't work. But three become gold. It's it, it's a quantity leads to quality. So I think you know for leaders, it's having the intentionality to say I'm going to put time to come up with ideas that are going to move the needle to make us a better experience, a better customer focused. And so we'll come in and say, all right, what are things that we can do after the game is over for our finale to make sure fans get an extra? As Steve Jobs used to always say, I need one more thing. Here's one more thing. Mm -hmm. Have that one extra thing. You know, what are things when fans first walk up to the stadium that we can do that can really wow them? What about when they buy online? What's an email we can send or a video that we can send? We come up with all these different ideas and we just start testing them. And if we get a response or if they get shared or if they get talked about, we know we're on the right path. And so I just think a lot of leaders, maybe they take what they do too seriously and just say, you know what, now we've built this trust because fans always know we're going to try things. So even when things don't go well, they're like, oh, the bananas will take care of you. They're going to figure it out yeah. if they'll refund you if something goes wrong. But then, hey, they're just trying more things. And so now they're defending us, which we've been able to build that through so many ideas and so many experiments over the years. Yeah, that's what really jumped out when I read the article was your your approach to that and communicating out is, hey, we're not just having an idea session. It's we're going to think about, okay, what are batter walk-ups? What are crowd experiences? What's pregame? What's postgame? So being very intentional about it. And I think that's where leaders fall into a trap where they have a brainstorming session of, hey, let's let's improve customer experience. And then it's just all over the place. It's disjointed. Okay. Nobody knows what's going on. So taking that intentional approach is really powerful. So I'll give you an example, like, so like merchandise. So when you, when you were sending our merchandise, this was years ago, we we're like, all right, should we send it in a regular box? Like everyone else? They're like, nope. You know, one of our mottos is whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. So we said, all right, what can we do? All right. Yellow custom box. All right. Yellow tissue paper. Could we write a note that says this has been sprinkled with potassium? You know, could we then have a free koozie and a free decal? Could, what else could we do? And even our first five years, we called every single person that bought a ticket or bought merchandise and thank them with a personal thank you call. And when it got to be, you know, half a million people, it was unscalable, but you need right. to do the unscalable to do the scalable. And so we envision what would the best experience when they get a box, is it a regular Amazon box or is it different? And does it cost more? Yes, but you build mm -hmm. that trust. And so that's an idea session alone. If you are a company that's shipping things out or if you're uh, communicating in a certain way, your emails are your invoices, uh, your voicemails, your hold music, is it the same as everyone? Or maybe have an idea session. What would make our hold music fun? What would make our voicemails fun? What would make our email response when you buy something, our payment confirmation fun? That is a way that we bring our team together to say we're not going to be like everyone else. 
Absolutely love it. And as you've been having the success and growing, you touched on it a minute ago where you're, you're hiring lots of people to come on and focus on different parts of the business. So from, from your perspective, as you're evaluating new folks coming in, what are some of the key communication skills that really are important for them to be successful? Well, it's our fans first vision. It's our fans first 101. It's our fans first you. You know, we have our traditions. We have, you know, our dream. We have our fans first language. We have all this in the process. And then when you, you know, apply for us, well, first of all, you got to join a wait list. Um, you know, again, where it's crazy, you know, we have a wait list of over 5,000 people that want to work with us, which is just shocking. Cause you know, again, I couldn't convince anybody to work with us our first few <laughs> years. So I'm not working for a team named after a fruit. Like, who are you guys? And, uh, so, you know, there's the demand, there's the urgency. And then once you go through the process again, it's not, it's not, Hey, here's my resume. We're looking for a fans first essay. How do you fit our fans first way? We are looking for a video cover letter. Because we want to see your personality. I can tell right in a few seconds. Are you someone that we want to be around? Do you, you know, are you an energy giver? Are you someone that like you can tell they just want to bring joy or they're joyful? Um, and then finally, a future resume. We're not interested in necessarily what you've done in the past. We're interested in what you're going to do in the future. And so that tests our fans' first way core beliefs of growing and hungry. If you say you want to be a ticket rep or whatever for the next five to 10 years, you're not growing hungry. We want people mm -hmm. that want to do big things, that want to have aspirations to grow for themselves, not just the team. And so those are three of the criteria we look for. And then they go through an extensive culture interview. I mean, the skills, again, with what we do, there's certain skills, but it's a lot culture. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, fortunately, we have a team that Marie started as a 22-year-old with us right out of college. You know, she's been with us now seven, eight years, and she's leading that because she's seen everything from the beginning. And that's what she does every single day is going through, you know, all these applicants, having culture interviews, leading in and running this fans first to make sure that we're bringing in the right people. That future resume, I love that. It's like a, a new twist, uh, of course, a banana approach to the, the question. A lot of times you hear is where do you see yourself in five years, right? And I, I just love this approach of do you want people that are that are hungry and that are trying to grow so that they're thinking about you know, beyond what's right in front of me, you know, what am I looking at over the next several years where I can come in and really impact the organization? That's that's a great idea. I love well, that. And it's a good exercise because also what I love is we see people that put things other than just their job. They put mm -hmm. their family, they put their extracurricular, and we really get to get an idea of things that, you know, most people don't even do that. Just that idea of writing it down, you know, that's a great book, write it down, make it happen. You know, you can actually hit your goals if you start writing it down. I write journal every single day and do my ideas every single day. So just getting these people that maybe have never done that much to start mm -hmm. writing about something, a vision for themselves is actually hopefully uh, helpful in the future, regardless if they get the job with us or not. Right. And, and you never know, you may also have people coming in just with ideas about the business where they include that on their future resume. Hey, I'd be great if I could come in and ultimately do this. And you're like, Wow, I never thought about that yeah, before. That's so. happened numerous times about leading, you know, the international, the Japan League of Banana Ball. Like we see things, it's like, all right, you're speaking our language now. You're thinking big, all right, leading Banana Ball for the youth in the Little League tournaments. Like, all right, that, that's good thinking right there. So Jesse, if I were to ask someone close to you, you know, what is perhaps the one key communication skill that Jesse has that has helped him get to where he is today to bring the bananas and the, the organization from, as you mentioned, just selling a handful of tickets out of the gate to, I know, having wait lists and just selling out major league parks, I believe now, what would be the key communication skill that really has helped you get to where you are today? You know, I'm fortunate. I've, I've had to learn how to communicate because, you know, literally when we were selling no, two tickets and when I first started with the first team, you know, I had to get out there and I was the face of the team. So I, it was 15 years of learning. But if you, you were to ask people, I think most people, when I'm giving a, a keynote speech or I'm speaking with our team, 
they say, thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for making me think big, for dreaming big. Thank you for sharing stories that inspired about what we could actually do and thinking bigger than just ourselves. And I think that's, I am constantly dreaming. I'm constantly talking about what's next. I'm constantly talking about where we're going. And, you know, I mean, a year and a half ago, I was telling everyone we're going to be selling out Fenway Park. And I was telling everyone, hey, we're going to we're going to sell out a cruise ship. We're going to be taking this thing all over the world. And now the people that have been around us, they say, if you were to literally say, Jesse, uh, say uh, in 10 years that we're going to be playing on the moon, I wouldn't bet against it because you have these beliefs. And somehow when you tell us, we all get on board and we find a way how to do it. And so I think as a communicator, if, if you can really make people believe in something bigger than themselves, uh, it's more powerful than you'll ever know. The thing that really jumped out there to me is the use of stories. If you're trying to make big changes, disrupt things, and as you said, kind of do the opposite of what everyone else is doing, to get people to buy into that really does, I think, take effective storytelling just to be able to achieve the mission and kind of keep that momentum going. Well, I'll go deeper on that. I mean, there's macro stories of the story that you're a part of, and then there's micro stories. So if you zoom out, I mean, I barely shared how we were sleeping on the airbed and going $30 a week to for food to Walmart with a $20 bill and a $10 bill, and we'd show up and that's all we'd have to eat for 42 meals. Like, I remember that vividly. Like, there's a macro story of where we went through that's like, hey, we've mm -hmm. gone through this from the doubters and people saying, you'll never sell a ticket. You're an embarrassment to the city. When we left uh, the league to go to Banana Ball and everyone said, this is Jesse's joke. They're going to fail. They'll never, like, there's all all those criticisms that we have but then there's the micro stories about the people the people on our team that created moments that like the shy introverts that came out of their shell and started making huge impacts and running our company and like so many of these stories that whenever i give a keynote i have about 20 30 40 stories to choose from that mm -hmm. hopefully can make people see themselves in that story or see someone they yeah. know in the story and that's where the inspiration comes from so it's the personal stories the big personal stories, and then getting into sharing examples that I really try to focus on when I'm, you know, leading or teaching our group or teaching someone else. Spot on. Yeah, that's the the best way to really inspire people is when you have those stories. And then, as you said, they can see themselves in that. It may not have been that, been that exact scenario, but I know a number of things that you shared in your recent book, just about the experience and the struggle uh, that you went through with with buying the team, trying to get things up on the ground the first time you went to the new stadium to check it out and just everything that you ran into there. It's just you know, being able to articulate that in a way that people can make it their own is just fantastic when it comes to inspiration. As you think throughout your life and your career, Jesse, who has been somebody that perhaps influenced your communication style. I know you, you've definitely worked to develop it. You've grown a lot over the, the past 10, 15 years, as you mentioned, but who's someone from throughout your life that has really played a big part in your style? Maybe what's something that you took from them, tweaked, and it's you know now part of your toolkit? Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, I'm looking right over the, the screen right now and I've got thousands of books. And so when I read, I go very deep. So I've read every book on Amazon, every book on Apple. I mean, The Grateful Dead, Circus of Light, anything that's in the entertainment or doing really innovative stuff. And, you know, I've obviously, uh, I mentioned Steve Jobs before, you know, the way he communicates, obviously there's books just solely on the way he communicates mm -hmm. and, and inspires. But I think the craziest thing is my dad was it, it is a complete introvert, the exact opposite of me. But what I learned from my dad that I still think about regularly today is um, two things. When I was a kid, I came up to the plate as a shy little five-year-old kid for the first ever baseball game, t-ball game. And I was nervous out of my mind. And my dad tells a story all the time. I'm walking the plate and I'm scared. And my dad yelled, Jess, swing hard. 
in case you hit it. And, and I literally just, uh, I was like, what, what? And he always would say that. And that simple, powerful thing has stayed with me, swing hard in case you hit it. And then from there, as I watched him battle cancer, you know, uh, 10 years ago and two forms of cancer, the size of a, a tumor, the size of a pear outside his liver, and he was in a bad spot. And every day I would call him and check in on him. And I'd say, dad, how you doing? And he go, Jess, I'm great. And I go, I go, dad, really, how do you do this? Yes, I'm great. What's going on in your world? What are you guys doing today? What's going on? And every day, and there was one day I called him and he said, I go, dad, how you doing? He goes, I'm good. I'm good. But what's, what's, what's going on with you? And I found out, I talked to my stepmother. He goes, he almost didn't think he could make it through the night. He battled the chemo and the worst, it was the worst I've ever seen him. He was on the ground. He was, and he said, good. And literally two months later, he was uh, cancer-free and remission. And the doctors at Beth Israel said he was the most positive patient they've ever met. And the reason why he defeated the cancer was his positivity. And so now today, 10 years later, best friends with my dad, he travels all over the country to see, to watch what we do. And I think about the positivity and how mm -hmm. everything that he looked at, I'm great. And so when I communicate, no matter if it's a down story, a down thing, I always finish up on a high and try to finish on where we're going, the opportunity, the positivity, the outlook, because I watched as my dad battle that. I watched my dad say, swing hard in case you hit it. That positive mindset has driven me with everything. And that's how I think of how I communicate. Oh, that's such a such a great story. I'm so glad to hear that. And yeah, mindset is massive when it comes to not only just communication, but I think all aspects of life. The mindset that you carry into a conversation, that you carry into a presentation, that you carry into an interaction with your spouse, your kids, if you are not in the right place with that mindset, it's going to be evident. It's going to impact the outcomes of that interaction. So I guess for me, when I'm interacting with my kids and with my wife and friends and at work, it's very much trying to find the positive and trying to keep that momentum rolling because people if, especially if you're in a leadership position at an organization, people are looking to you mm -hmm. and they're going to take their cues from your tone, your demeanor, your interaction, whether it is a simple response to an email. As you mentioned, he said, good, not great. Mm -hmm. If I respond to an email, probably very shortly, a lot shorter than I normally would, the people on my team are going to be like, oh, what's going on? Is everything okay? So just being aware of how your mindset is going to impact not only your words, but how they're received is very powerful. I love that. Let me give you two things on there, which I think is 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 you're you're so spot on with the mindset. I think also a key is to how can you hedge your bets and control the situation to the best of your ability. This is something Walt Disney, one of my biggest mentors, did very, very well. It's why he was the first one to ever set up only one entrance at a theme park because he wanted to control how you walked in, what you saw, what you smelled, how you felt. He wanted everything controlled, the beginning and the end, the first impression and last impression. And so I was giving a lot of keynotes starting out and I would come up on stage and, you know, the crowd's all sitting there watching. And I remember I was giving a speech right after a hall of fame speaker. He was got a standing ovation. It was huge. And then I came in from the side and everyone's like, Oh, another speaker. And I was already in my mind in a negative way. This hall of fame speaker got a standing ovation on this guy. I'm closing for him, which was crazy. Cause I was a young guy. I shouldn't be closing for him. Mm -hmm. And I already put myself in a bad spot. And after I made my first few remarks and was quiet, I had already doomed myself for that speech. Yep. Remember, one of the remarks was he didn't deserve the main stage, which stayed with me for a while. So I actually worked on my intro to get, hey, in my intro, play some music, do this and get everyone standing. And so literally now when I come running in the back, everyone is standing. Fortunately, now people know who we are and what we're doing, but they're all standing. And I'm already fun. So my mindset is already hedged 
to create this unbelievable speech because I'm feeling that. And so I think a lot of times before you talk, what is that prep you do? What's that intro? Mm -hmm. What is that creativity you do? And then how do you control it? And instead of sending a message or an email, we do this all day. I send videos on my phone to people. So instead of sending a text message, hey man, just thinking about you, thanks so much. That meeting yesterday was awesome. I felt so fired up, inspired. I can't wait. They see the tone, they see the energy, they see the passion, they feel it. They get that message as opposed to, hey man, thanks, yesterday was fun, which there's no tone to. So that's very intentional as well that I think you can do to help control the whole situation. Yeah, and little things like that that might take you 10 or 15 seconds to fire off that message are gonna have just a resounding multiplying effect on the organization. It's a great note for leaders. Listen, we're all busy, but if you really are focused and intentional, you can find ways to, to make change and to positively impact, whether it's customers or people in your organization on a daily basis with very, very little effort, quite honestly. Yes, 100%. Jesse, we're wrapping up here. I wanna be respectful of time. What piece of closing advice would you have for someone listening to this, whether they're fresh out of school, getting ready to go into their first career, mid-career, ready for a pivot, whatever it may be, just really around the importance of their communication skills and the impact that they can have on their life? I guess to go full circle. So uh, I was really opening with a lot about fans first, and that hasn't changed since day one. Obviously, when you name your company something, you got to live by it. And Three years into starting the team, we launched our fans first playbook. So literally a fans first playbook on who we are, what we stand for, what we believe in. And I, I put one quote at the at the back and I said, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And that mindset has driven our organization. And whether you're young, getting out of college, whether you're a leader at a point, uh, if you take that, um, everything's going to work out pretty well at the end. Be patient for what you want for yourself. Be impatient for what you give to others. Or how much you give to others, yes. Absolutely love it. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. And I wish you and the banana ball all the best. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Take care. A special thanks again to my guest, Jesse Cole. Jesse's point about leaders being great repeaters is spot on. Too often, leaders think just because they say something, it will magically happen overnight and people will automatically buy into their message. The truth is it takes time, trust, and hearing a message multiple times across multiple formats for change to happen. As always, if you're looking to improve your communication skills, be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can continue to learn from my guests with each new episode. And if you have found value in the show, leaving us a rating or review would be appreciated. Thanks and have a great day.